Armstrong and Getty. Very fine people on both sides. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere podcasts are given away because we're stupid. Check the window, bro. Someone's at your window. A, 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 A. It's like you guys have figured out how to work as a team. Window, 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 window. All right, so what the heck is that? A guy came up with this idea. He turned up his speakers really loud, and then he went to bed. And if you tipped him, you could play any sound you wanted to to scare him awake. (laughs) And it was a huge hit, and a lot of people got in on it, and they had a running joke where they'd scare him into think a burglar was coming in through the window or, you know, to startle him or whatever. In seven hours, he made $16,000. I got to get in on this, making money the easy way, you know? So people people got into it enough where they'd, like, wait until they were pretty sure he'd fallen asleep again. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hit him with whatever. So this guy spends the next day rattled and sleep deprived, but he got sixteen grand out of it. He just takes a he takes an afternoon nap thinking about his sixteen thousand dollars, and then he's fine. So I was just wondering if I could come up with some sort of like cannon that will shoot a basketball into my testes, and uh, <laughs> and if people donate money online, like every time it hits a thousand dollars, pow, right in the junk. I know oh. how much money I could make off of that. I'm in for two shots. I think we got our new bit for the next uh, Freedom Station fundraiser. Yeah, that's right. Warrior Foundation. Uh, how many shots to the junk are you willing to take? I don't know. I don't know. What do you I like? To, you remember when that monk visited the California Capitol and he let the various lawmakers kick him right in the junk? Yeah, that was weird. That, yeah, I'd say it was. It takes a lot of discipline to learn how to do that. If you're one with God, you have no feeling in your testes. Is that what you learn from that? I don't know. <laughs> I can't imagine. You got to summon your will. Pain is what does uh, the guy say in a stupid movie? Pain don't hurt. But the, the, yeah, are still. you talking about Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse as the guy in the stupid movie? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. my gosh, I'm 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 shooting for a double leg on you, Joe. <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. But I'm just shooting a basketball into my junk. I'm he was so good at bouncing bars <laughs> from several towns over. Knew that he was the guy to fix the double deuce. <laughs> so good at bouncing. We should all strive for that level of excellence, Joe. So That's good right. at bouncing. It's like Martin Luther King Jr.'s street sweeper speech. It's if exactly. you're going to be a bouncer, let people say of you, he was the best bouncer that God ever created. He cleaned up the double deuce. <laughs> so it would seem to me that if you can come up with something clever enough, you could raise money pretty quickly because it's all about scale, and that's what that's what the internet, the the the, the, the Reddit, GameStop people figured that out. Everything's scale with the internet. I don't need to pe- pe- get people to very much want me to see how many M&Ms I can stuff in my mouth at one time, but if a million people, they think it's worth 50 cents. <laughs> right, for 10 minutes <laughs> A million people life. somewhere in the world think it's worth 50 cents to them to see if I can get 10 bags of M&Ms in my mouth. <laughs> the, the dirty secret of a lot of this internet things where we hear about the GameStop story and we think, oh, this happened over the weekend. No, he'd been posting about this for months. And my guess is this this person already had somewhat of an established stream community mm-hmm. to watch him and do this. If you, mm. if you start up a YouTube channel today, have never streamed anything before and do this bit, you're making zero dollars because there's nobody watching you stream. Right. You, you need to have some sort of built up uh, uh, footprint already for these things to even catch the, the, the initial traction required. Well, 
What if we had, if I announced it on the air several times during the week, Saturday at noon, I'm going to put 10 bags of M&Ms in my mouth. <laughs> Are you in for 50 cents? <laughs> and if I could get, a, you know, like, 10,000 people put in 50 cents, you know, I get 5,000 bucks. And I'm out for m ms You worried about that? You inhale one of those puppies, you're gone. You're a goner. <laughs> Or how I long can I? Part of the thrill. How long can I hold my hand over this candle, or whatever I decide oh, to geez. do? <laughs> what the hell! I like that one. <laughs> Stare at the sun. You know something. <laughs> oh, you know it's funny. I was oh, I I can't say that, or it would give away the answer. <clears throat> so Judy and I just had an epic road trip, which I mentioned once or twice. A lot of time to look at billboards. Please name for me. Everybody gets a guess. You drove the, from Beijing to Wuhan. The. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but fast bat food billboards. What is the number one category of billboards in America? The number one sort of business that advertises on billboards? Injury lawyer. No. Sean, guess? Uh, something... I, I was going to say injury lawyer, so I'm struggling to think what my my second guess would be. Uh, Michelangelo, guess? Bell bonds. Bell bonds. Oh, that's you know, good. it's, it's, uh, I was not as aware as you guys are. Uh, 100%, not even close. It's, it's ambulance chasers. It's personal injury lawyers. I mean, it's just everywhere in every state of the union. Well, think, well, every think about it. You get three you get, quarters of a mile. You get is another a car, one. A car accident. You're like, ah, who can help me? You look up, there's the billboard right there. Right. You know, you're you're putting you're putting your advertising where the customers are, which is obviously means that we need the uh, tort reform or or whatever it's called that could change the way things work, right? Isn't that what yeah, that's all about? I think so. Yeah, it was striking though, and it was funny to see the different techniques. Some guys went for humor. Some uh, were absolutely better call Saul fans. You could tell by the style of the picture and everything like that. Some of them had groovy nicknames like the legendary Sweet James in Los Angeles. Um, all over SoCal, actually, now. But it was kind of, it was interesting. There are a lot of people filing, you know, minor lawsuits in America. My wife went to high school with a guy who's on, like, a billboard every half mile everywhere we go. Um, wow. Who became a, uh, you know, ambulance chaser lawyer. <laughs> and she said he was that kind of guy in high school. Like, it seems like the perfect thing for him to end up being. <laughs> well, never, no never... offense to our attorney listeners. Every convenience store you go into everywhere, there's his face. Hey, did you just slip and crack your head? Call me. Yeah, there was a, there was one in, uh, I can't remember, somewhere in the south, called herself Mama Justice. Not a bad-looking gal either, but uh, Mama Justice. Say habla espanol. I get tired of this, this job. I might do a slip and jimmy sometime. Just don't yeah. give anybody the Chicago sunroof. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds bad. No, but yeah. if I just, you know, I, I pour a little milk out onto the floor at the Safeway, and then down I go. I don't know if you're flexible enough for that. <laughs> I think you might actually end up in the hospital. The key oh, is you're that, not that, actually injured. Then the x-rays would prove prove me out. I'm willing to take... I, earlier this podcast, I was willing to take basketballs in the junk. I'm willing to, you know, hold my hand over a candle. I'm willing to go through a little pain to make right. money. So if I had to actually dislocate my hip at the Safeway... To get $100,000, I'm willing to do that. I think I'd call myself Big Joe Justice. <laughs> and have a cowboy hat. <laughs> and a wear vest. a vest. 
Yeah, it's bolo that tie. Oh, yes, of course, a bolo tie and a big belt buckle. Big Joe Justice. Some sort of facial hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably big old, big, you know what? Big old uh, uh, Charlie Daniels beard. I see you pointing at the viewer, like pointing, pointing. I want you to get what you deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Or how about this? I got a book I'm throwing. I'm throwing a book at him. <laughs> big Joe Justice is going to throw the book at the man who hurts you. Call now 1 800 Big Joe. <laughs> That's only six letters. Keep dialing. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Information. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, Michael, you've been on a roll lately, lately with old-timey commercials. Where are, you, where are you just happening to come across these? Uh, this was from the Wise Brother website, but um, I love old commercials from the 60s, 70s. I, I don't know. There's something about them. I just enjoy the jingles and stuff. So these are o- old-timey Reese's commercials. Here's one from the 70s. Mmm, chocolate. Mmm, peanut butter. Ooh. Hey, you got chocolate on my peanut butter. You got peanut butter on my chocolate. Oh, good. Really good. Yeah, I like this. Two great tastes that taste great together. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Thank Real you. milk chocolate. Good old-fashioned peanut butter. Reese's yeah. Peanut Butter Cup. It's not true unless someone with a voice like this says it is. So had nobody really discovered that peanut butter and chocolate were so good together prior to that? Apparently not. I yep. remember when that happened, and it seemed like a big deal. Kind of takes down the founding fathers in my uh, my rankings a little bit if they hadn't <laughs> figured that out. Because uh, it, I remember it being a big deal. Well, maybe there was some civilization of old uh, lost to a meteor strike or a flood or something that knew it, but uh, it was kind of a new deal at the time. Yeah, that was from 1973, and one of the guys in that commercial was uh, Donnie Most, which is Ralph Mouth. Yeah. From Happy Days. From Happy there Days, you go. yeah. Um, and then we got this Reese's commercial from this the This is an eight- earworm. Okay. Reese's Pieces, time pieces, center pieces, mantle pieces, Reese's Pieces, chess pieces, gold pieces, silver pieces, Reese's Pieces, the famous flavor of Reese's peanut butter. I liked mantle pieces. <laughs> so I, I'm interested in the clear distinction and how they, uh, what the strategies of the ads of the days were, right? They clearly, I think they knew. They were trying to manufacture an earworm, kind of the by oh, sure. Bennon, right? Like the, the, sure. the, the, <laughs> the uh, stanza. So, um, so well, yeah. Of course, this commercial came out when Devo was ruling the charts. I mean, you had to have something kind of sound like. Can I hear that one again? I really like the mantelpiece. Now, Michael, Michael, if like three of the Beatles are playing on this, tell us in advance so we can enjoy it. Don't tell us afterward, and we're trying to they had to. It's, you know, test our memory whether it sounded like Ralph Mouth or not. Is Anson Williams playing the keyboards? Anything we should know? <laughs> not nothing. Nothing All right. So that's what the original, of course, was just a peanut butter cup, the little chocolate cup with peanut butter in it that we all still enjoy. That was the original thing. And then the Reese's yeah. Pieces was just M&M's with uh, just pieces. peanut butter in the middle of <laughs> mantle pieces. <laughs> so we got a couple of uh, really good emails I've been sitting on for a while. <clears throat> I figured maybe now's the time to throw them in. 
Uh, let's see. The first one, it's from Todd. He says, you talked about the gulf between Republicans and Democrats when underestimating or overestimating COVID's impact. It's a topic we've hit many times. I recommend reading the book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I think we discussed that when it came out. The book outlines two operating systems for our brain, System 1 and System 2. System 1 is for snap, fast judgments like, what is 2 plus 2? Or other answers that are easily accessible. Well done. System 1 makes 98% of our judgments every day. System 2 is slow, deliberative, self-conscious, skeptical, takes time to answer questions, whether complex mathematics or how best to defeat a global pandemic, for instance. So how can people who appear to be seeing the same information about COVID be so wildly apart on the risks related to COVID? Well, 98% of their day is living in the System 1 part of their brain. And System 1 informs System 2 how to think. And by the way, they often contradict each other. The other bummer for humankind, our brain is lazy and prefers to work in System 1. Not a lot of resources burned contemplating issues. What has changed is that we are being pushed into camps by all of the algorithms on Facebook, Google, Twitter, etc., and your System 1 brain is rewarded with self-referencing data points throughout the day. E.g., the headlines you scan on your phone reinforce the beliefs you already have in your System 1 head. Basically, your brain is fat, happy, and uh, misinformed. System 2 responses thrive when we all get into a room together and are forced to think through what we say. In this scenario, people discover that when they look at factual data together, they tend to be more aligned than divided. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so System 1, System 2 thing. Mandelpieces. <clears throat> I remember that book got a lot of uh, positive attention, Thinking Fast and Slow. Chess pieces. I'll put it on the list of the 350 books that I say I'm going to read but probably won't. You don't, I don't think I need to read those books. I'll tell you what I do a lot of with, with books now, and I think it's just as good as find a, a, a YouTube of the author explaining the premise for, depending on the book, 30 minutes is usually plenty. Sometimes mm. if it's a really big book, maybe an hour. But an hour of your time while you're driving somewhere and you know enough of the book as opposed to spending 11 hours reading it, which you're never going to get around to doing. Interesting. I, I subscribed for a cup of coffee to, uh, is it Blinkist? One, one of the, is it was a an app, site? a website, Jeez, no, uh, it, they distill books down to their essence so you can read it in, in 45 minutes instead of, you know, 11 hours or whatever. When I did that in high school with Cliff Notes, the teachers yelled at me. Yeah, I know it. I know it, but it's a really good thing to do. It is uh, a good just, thing to do. It's expensive, and I didn't use it enough, but it's a good idea. It, 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 yeah. And uh, studies have shown, by the way, that uh, uh, listening to books is every bit as good as reading a book. Every bit as good to what it does to your brain. So I got to assume that taking in, you know, the Cliff Notes version audio as opposed to reading it is as good, too. And one more thought, this from uh, frequent correspondent Kevin, talking about, you were talking about how off-base the popular science narrative on climate change is Chess from pieces. reality. Please shut up. Can't. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. And he says it really uh, it makes you want to compare another scientific na- narrative uh, far afield from the facts. If the last year under COVID has taught me anything, he writes, it's that very few members of the popular science establishment actually have a good understanding of the science they cover. And even those that do are often too, often too cowardly to stick their necks out to buck the narrative. The only difference between COVID and climate, for instance, is that the COVID numbers are publicly available and fairly easy to understand. I know that we've been lied to about lockdowns, distancing, school closures, masks, etc., because I can verify the numbers myself. 
Recent example, last week, the outcries coming from the public health and popular science establishments for Michigan to lock down even harder. We're at a fever pitch. But those of us looking at the data know that COVID infections in Michigan peaked three weeks ago. Hospitalizations peaked the following week. They're going down. So do I know whether the climate projections of long-term warming, warming, sea level rise, and extreme weather events are accurate? No, I don't have the first idea on how to start verifying those models. Mm -hmm. But after a year of destructive lockdowns and school closures that had no measurable effect on the virus are still being rec- recommended by the same scientific establishments pushing those models and using similar scare tactics, I'm more skeptical than I've ever been. Simply put, I now reflexively oppose any climate me- measures that adversely impact the lives of ordinary Americans. I'm with Joe. Let's wait for the unicorns because we're going to use their farts for for fuel was a reference from that day makes perfectly good sense well yeah yeah what makes you think any of the pro- the climate uh, projections have any more scientific credibility than Gavin friggin Newsom well, uh, insisting masks still stay on well, the schools still being closed kids still with masks on when they're outside alone at recess well remember we brought you that stuff uh, from the former Obama science guy who said I looked into the science and it wasn't near as definitive as I thought it was as I'd been told and he was an Obama guy yeah he said a lot of this stuff is still wishy-washy or up in the air so yeah I get it yeah, but everybody's afraid of being shouted down or called a climate denier and, and barred from their local moms group, so nobody says anything. Armstrong and Getty. Information. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. I don't think that's a saying. What's the uh, red skies? Red skies at dawn, sailors get it on? Oh. Red can't be it. I mean, it probably sailor. that's probably the way it happened all the time. <laughs> oh, right. You're out at sea for months, you know? It's like being in prison. You get a free pass. Were like you here said on The Soprano? Were you here the other day when we were talking about they found the bones of the world's most famous pirate? No. I don't think so. What I was missed the, name the pirate, of that pirate bones. Here's the most interesting part. It's the world's most famous pirate, and nobody had ever heard of him. What was the pirate's name? It was like... Bo- Bearded Bob or something like that. Bearded Bob. Something the Black? Was Something. it? Hold on. I'll, I'll find it. Anyway. Jean Lafitte. Um, uh, this pirate had stolen the equivalent, modern equivalent of $120 million, which is a lot. Captain That's Samuel Bellamy, known as Black Sam. Black Sam! Wow. I thought, you can't in one sentence say the world's most famous pirate, then give a name nobody's ever heard before. But, that um, is a bit of a disconnect, yes. Yeah. But anyway, they found his boat and consequent, uh, you know, leading to his bones. Uh, had sunk 300 years ago when he was 26 years old or something like that. And wow. um, and now they've got his bones. So there you go. <laughs> well, so there who's laughing go. now, Mr. Pirate Man? <laughs> we got your bones. As my kid said, what are they going to do with his bones? Put them in a museum or? Oh, I suppose. You know what? That would be kind of cool with sure. a whole display of, uh, you know, his, his maraudings and his thievings and a picture of what his ship looked like. And then you got his bones. And we got into you a conversation. pay an extra buck ahead to see the bones. <laughs> I got in conversation about how the, you know, the whole jolly, fun pirate thing when they're really just raping, marauding thieves that you would happily kill yourself if you caught them. Right. Horrible right. human beings. It's like you see some of those criminal gangs uh, these days uh, marauding through a store and stealing everything or beating down old people yeah, or exactly. whatever. Uh, yeah, they were worse than that. They were a hundred times worse than that. So they, but, I, they, but they knew when they were traveling as pirates that if you saw a red sky at morning, 
Sailor take warning or something like that. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Had to do anyway, with where yeah. the high pressure systems were in the atmosphere compared to your travels. All right. You served on the poop deck, didn't you? <laughs> I don't like to talk about days. it. Get, when do I get promoted off the poop deck, Captain? <laughs> when yeah, you we'll let it. you know. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> Thanks for your application. We've got it on file. <laughs> so I, I bring that up because Judy and I made this epic road trip uh, to the East Coast to see our kid and drop off a bunch of stuff as she starts her adult life, among other things, seeing friends. And, uh, but I picture we, you driving an old-timey truck like they did in Grapes of Wrath. Oh, yeah. Yep. Flatbed. Mm-hmm. Got the uh, rail sides. Exactly. No, no. Uh, it was my SUV. But uh, we we took a look at the w- different routes because we were aware of the horrendous, like, ice storm that paralyzed um, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth and caused that 105-car pileup or oh, whatever yeah. it is with, with five, six people dead. I mean, just a nightmare. 100 cars. And so we thought, okay, we see where the weather is, blah, blah, blah. We're going we're gonna to go a little north of that, and we'll miss it, et cetera. But, and, and this is... You know, I, I'm a a planner. I like to rehearse things. I like to figure out what we're going to do and where we're going to go and how we're going to get there. Um, and I had made a fundamental miscalculation on a couple of things. Number one, I had not real. I, I looked at um, the route we were going. I didn't look at elevation. And we ended up going. I went down to Phoenix. Uh, we went down to Phoenix to see my mom and dad because, uh, again, my mom is uh, nearing the end of her battle with Parkinson's and just every chance I get to see her is, is wonderful. But um, So then we went from there through New Mexico, and I didn't realize, like, the entirety of New Mexico, at least along the route we took, is at five, six, seven thousand 7,000 feet of elevation. Yeah, it's a mountains and snow and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, although even the flat parts that are, like, 6,000 feet of elevation, just, you know, the way it is. So it was cold and The high snowy. plains, they call them. Because they're high. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was miserable weather, terrible fog and snow and high winds for like a couple hours as I'm driving white knuckled. But, you know, we, we came through that and then uh, hit, uh, gosh, Oklahoma and Texas got a little better. And But then we had to stop for the night finally in Arkansas, in beautiful Van Buren, Arkansas, right outside Fort Smith, Arkansas, mentioned prominently in Steve Earle's classic Tom Ames Prayer. Download it. Listen to it. Um, but it was bitterly freaking cold. I mean, it was wind chills below zero, and we're looking at the weather map, and we realize the the killer storm, this one, that's affecting all over America and, and, and drenched, uh, covered Austin in snow, and, and Texas is the coldest it's been, most snow in Houston in 55 years, the rest of it. Um, we realized it was bearing down on us, and we would be about an hour ahead of it if we got up at 5 a.m., and we're hauling ass east at 6 a.m. So that's what we did. And, and we had, I should have mentioned, we had Baxter with us. It's our first epic dog-included road trip. And so we uh, we literally got up. We were doing 85 miles per hour uh, south to southeast just ahead of this storm as they're closing highways behind us. It was uh, chilling, literally and figuratively. Felt like being in an action movie. So if something had happened, which, who's, which companions are eating who? Oh boy! You get stranded. I mean, I'm I'm physically the largest. Baxter has sharp teeth. <laughs> I think he, Judy I think, has the wiles of the woman. I think Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> she gives you a come hither look and then bashes you in the head with a rock and eats you. That would have worked, <laughs> honey. I know it's the eight below zero outside and the car is stranded and we're panic stricken. But would you like to have sex? And I just said, Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Schmack. <laughs> 
I think I think that I think backstreets you both if you get stranded somewhere. I think that's what happens. Oh no, he's a good boy. He wouldn't do that. But it, it ended up being fine. But man, there was some white knuckle driving. Then it rained like crazy the last like three hours as we were nearing the East Coast. And what did you learn about America? It's super big. Mm-hmm. It's ninety percent empty. True that. Now, granted, they don't run the interstate highways through towns, which is a shame mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, uh, route, uh, uh, Interstate 40, which we were on for a long time, is like intermingled with it replaced Route 66, the legendary uh, from song and story Route 66. <clears throat> and, you know, you can get places really fast now on the interna- interstate highways, but it used to be when you traveled from coast to coast or even a significant length of time, you would go through a bunch of little towns each of which had different stores with different names, different restaurants, you know, different local culture and the rest of it. And you could really feel the country. Isn't that kind of the the plot of Cars 2, where the yep. Route 66 got replaced by something else and all the businesses along there were... There? Radiator Springs got uh, cut yeah. off so people could save six minutes going by on the interstate. Yeah. Well, I didn't see that movie because I'm not a child. All the businesses closed. I loved the first Cars movie. Loved it. Uh, I don't. I may have seen Cars too. Come to think of it, that sounds kind of familiar. Did it feature one of those funky hotels where you where you sleep in a wigwam instead of a fantastic like a hotel room? Need yeah. more of those. Charming, yeah. <laughs> Although that's that's probably racist, right, or cultural appropriation, or something like that. Were there unusual flags or anything that you saw along certain oh, states? From, um, well, you know there were. I, I texted it to you fellows. Uh, once you hit the south, the southeast, south southeast. Uh, there are a hell of a lot of Confederate flags. Really, one was one was on a not just I one, think, not just two, but common no, there to see. Were quite a few. Okay, and there were places to buy them. Uh, yeah, any any convenience store you'll have any your your selection of various stickers and well, I such. Knew, I knew that was true a few years ago, but I wouldn't have known that it was still true today. I mean, a lot has changed in like just the last two years. Yeah, yeah. On that, front. there was there was one dude who lived pretty close to the interstate who. Let's see. I want to get this right. I mean, Dukes of Dukes of Hazard was the number one show in America. Every kid had a toy General Lee car or a Dukes of Hazard T-shirt. Now it's not even allowed to be on the air in reruns. That's how much has changed in just a couple of years on the Confederate flag front. But this one dude had a fifty-foot flagpole. I'm not kidding. It was like baseball stadium high, and the only thing up there was the Confederate battle flag in his backyard. You got to be a racist, right? Or at least they're friends with some. Well, why would you? you, Southern pride, son. Southern pride. Maybe. The war of northern aggression. The colonel. Colonel? Colonel Lingus. What'd you eat? Oh, too much pizza, and I love pizza. I've often said I could eat pizza five days a week, but we would just get to the end of the day, be super tired. We really didn't want to leave Baxter alone in the hotel room, and so... You know, I'd run out. If if they didn't deliver it, I'd run out and get some. And we'd have pizza and a little bit of wine. Had enough room in the car for wine, naturally. Have you guys been been uh, getting hit with the Detroit-style pizza craze that seems to be uh, sweeping know, the nation? I do not know what Detroit-style pizza is. Uh, Talk to me. I didn't either, but it's apparently, so it's it's rectangle pizza, right? What? Yeah, so it's Detroit-style pizza, rectangular pizza with thick Pizza crust. is not rectangle. It is in Detroit, Unless you're in apparently. a school lunchroom. 
And now by Detroit-style pizza, that just means that if you go to somewhere else and and they have it, you go, oh, Detroit-style pizza. I, I didn't know this existed until like two weeks ago, and now I see it all the time in various people talking about I finally tried Detroit-style pizza. Well, okay, what's different about it other than being rectangle? I think that's it. I think it's like okay. a, it's well, like that's... a Chicago deep dish, but but rectangle, that's, that's I guess. Not, you're not bringing me much here. That's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. It's a, th- a thicker crust that is crispy and chewy. That just sounds like pizza to me. Or thick crust pizza, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Did Detroit just the the whole car thing wasn't working out for them, so they decided to invent a fake style of pizza. Uh, Detroit <laughs> style pizza. Detroit. A, oh, a thick focaccia like crust. Okay. Well, there it's got a different kind of crust. Yeah. So maybe that's the the big difference. That ain't much of a difference. No, just call it pizza. Not not everybody's pizza needs to be unique. So getting back to what I learned traveling across the country, uh, gas is way cheaper everywhere than Cal Unicorn, mm-hmm. which is partly for environmental reasons. Um, eh, or most of the nation is empty. There are some states where drivers are much more courteous. They get the hell out of the left lane. Really? The left lane is for plas- passing, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. In fact, they have road signs every freaking mile. State law. All traffic stays right except the pass. State law do not impede the left lane. Um, I wonder if that's a either they enforce it or they teach it in driver's ed. Maybe they don't in other places. I get the yeah, sense that a lot of people are completely unaware of that. Yes. Both lanes yeah. are exactly the same. It's just whichever one you choose to be in. Yeah. Well, and where we live in uh, in northern Calunicornia, also, the right lane is where the trucks always are on the interstate, and especially as you get up into the hills, those lanes get torn up in the wintertime with the mm. snow and everything and the chains on the trucks. And so everybody gets in the habit of being in the left lane all the time because if you don't, it'll shake the fillings out of your teeth. And so it's like drive left, pass right. So I understand people getting used to that there, but it was really kind of cool. It, it was like in Germany, for instance. Uh, on the Autobahn, if you get uh, if you pass on the right, it's a huge fine. The Germans really enforce the slowest traffic right, you know, uh, medium traffic uh, in the middle lane, perhaps, but just the left lanes for passing, period. Uh, Do you see anything? Uh, Do you see any coonskin caps or armadillos crossing the road? Or uh... A lot of dead beasts uh, by the side of the road. Hey, did you stop in these stores? Did Was everybody wearing masks or were people just without there masks? There you go. COVID compliance. Nationwide. How changes across America. Joe Getty has a report. Joe? Nationwide, everybody was wearing a mask. I hardly saw anybody not in a mask. Interesting. Yeah, everywhere. Young, old, you know, in all regions of the country. Yeah, that's a good question, but it was it was really uniform. Uh, I'm trying to think what else of note. Uh, Baxter got, uh, we got special medicine for Baxter. Uh, anti-anxiety, so motion sickness. So he wouldn't eat you. And then a <laughs> sedative. Exactly. Hey, hey, look, it's a little piece of ham. I think you should have this ham. Why don't you, why don't you eat this ham? And then, boom, he's drugged. Uh, but better living through pharmaceuticals. Kept him mellow in the hotel rooms. What I was terrified of, because he's, he's half Black Lab and he's half Border Collie. And one Border Collie thing is that they're super protective of their herd, of, of their, their, their pack, as it were. And so he is the best bark-to-warn dog in the world. Anybody uh, knocks on our door, approaches our house, is out in the front yard, I know it, which is nice. And when I'm traveling, which we do, uh, well, we used to before COVID, to visit all our beloved stations, um, Judy would have a, a great watchdog. But you don't want that in a hotel room. 
where some guy's out in the hall talking to his wife. Uh, yeah, I'll check out the kids over there. Mm. You, you don't want that. So we, uh, we did, Baxter, Baxter spent a lot of the trip like I spent a lot of college. <laughs> just a little bit stoned. Did you put headphones on him and he just. Oh, yeah. Made a, lot a playlist of for him. A lot of Snoop <laughs> exactly. Dogg. A lot of Who Let the Dogs Out. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Black Dog by Zeppelin. That's his favorite song. He plays it over and over again. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. You tried to speak German for a I while. I studied the language for six years of high school and college. Really? Wow, that's quite an effort. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I was going to be like a, uh, a international business lawyer, and I wanted to live in Germany. Okay. And then I abandoned that idea. Apparently. <laughs> Did you ever get to the point? Why does it sound so aggressive? Every, the, the, the words just end so, so oh, hard. Yeah. Come for the barking, stay for the <laughs> sounds, and uh, that's terrible. So this is, uh, I believe him to be a German social media presence of some sort. He tends to just kind of offer his German perspective on on various things. And uh, this, uh, this video of him uh, describing baseball after having watched a game came across my timeline. And I, I figured uh, you gents might enjoy it. So here we go. Watching now a little bit your baseball here in America. This game is the most confused game of that I'm knowing. Now, I'm assuming he's German. Is that the German accent? Yeah. Okay. okay. This is yeah. the most that, confused game that I'm knowing. It's an it's aspect of German. The verbs go at the end of the sentence. It's weird. This game is the most confused game of that I'm knowing. Oh, okay. We have, we, have some, we have some pillows. We have some pillows on the dirt. And then we have some grass. And then we have people to stand all around to make a grabbing of the, of the downstairs, grab of crouch, look around, look around. Did he, men with grabbing stick, of crouch? Grabbing of the downstairs, the crouch. <laughs> make a grabbing of the, of the downstairs, grab of crouch, look around, look around. Then man with stick is there. And then man look at stick man and look at man with glove and he make like this all. He's uh, shaking off the signs. Yes. For like, I don't like one minute with a man who... Still shaking him off. And then, then he, boom, he throw, throw a ball to the stick man. <laughs> and the stick man may hit if he make a miss of three times, then out. But if four times the, the, uh, the throw is bad, boom, then he may walk to a pillow. <laughs> or if he make a hit of ball and it go to the side of the paints, then it is uh, more, more hits and hits and hits. But if he, hit- I believe that was him describing foul balls. If he hits oh. a ball and it's outside of the paint, oh, okay. Okay. or if he make a hit of ball and it go to the side of the paints, mm. then yes. it is uh, more more hits and hits and hits. <laughs> but if he hit a ball very far, then he may run on all the pillows around the pillows, <laughs> and sometimes someone is stealing the pillows, and sometimes a man is. If you hit a man with a ball, then he may run to the pillows. And many people, they, and the boys, the boys, the boys in the, in the, in the, in the uh, trench, they sit in the trench. I believe uh, the dugout, I think the he's referring to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> trench, okay. And many people, I'm sure it's they, a and trench the boys, the boys, the boys in the, in the, in the, in the uh, trench, they sit in the trench. And they look around and they, <laughs> they spit. 
spit, 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 and a hat, and then clap, clap, and spit, spit, and then they run, then they run to the field, and then they make a trade in nine times, but time out on the seven, after seven times of run on field, everyone <laughs> sings a song about popcorn. <laughs> And that is that gentleman's uh, description of baseball you after do the, watching the, the game. The hitting of the ball and you run to the pillow. <laughs> Every that reminds time. me, we haven't heard from Dirk the Angry German lately. At least not that I've noticed. If I've missed your uh, emails, Dirk, uh, uh, apologies. That was pretty funny. Base- this me lied. Baseball is fairly confusing if you've got, you know, some idea of what's going on. I can't imagine starting from scratch. Well, it'd be like when I look at cricket. I haven't got the slightest idea what they're doing. Right. You can see the guy's trying to hit the the ball, yeah. but then what? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear that German guy describe the uh, infield fly rule. <laughs> I am absolutely going to refer to baseball bases as pillows from now on. <laughs> that that delighted me. Do yeah. the hitting of the ball. Mit uh, um, uh, zwei oder drei men on the pillows if the ball goes high but short and the man with the leather glove comes and Willie, um, never mind. <laughs> and nobody cares. <laughs> then after seven times trading sides, you sing a song about popcorn. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.